Okay, so 1 Kings 16, 29. This is about the, the northern ten tribes of Israel. Ahab is the king, and uh, Elijah is the prophet. And we're going to um, just make our way through this story. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became the king of Israel. And he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which are the sins of uh, worshiping the golden calf, the golden calves that they had, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than did all the kings of Israel before him. And this next verse is just about a historical incident that took place in this time that just shows how out of touch God's people were with his word. Listen to this. In Ahab's time, heal of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundation at the cost of his firstborn son, Abiram, because Joshua had cursed Jericho and said, anybody who rebuilds Jericho, this is what will happen, and that's exactly what happened. And he set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segub, in accordance with the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. Let's pause there for one moment. So this is a story about Ahab and the ten northern tribes. The, 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 these tribes are the people of God. This is the church. This is the church before Christ. This is the church in the Old Testament, the two southern tribes and the ten northern tribes. This is the church of Jesus Christ. This is the people of God. And what we're seeing in this with Ahab as their ruler is that, um, is that Israel is the church, is a, is a picture to us of the church disobedient to the Word of God. When the church is disobedient to the Word of God, this is, what, this is what it looks like. This is a picture to us in the Old Testament, what it looks like when God's people who have been called by Him and given the Word just flout the Word, disobey the Word, go off in another direction and do, do their own thing. And so something that we need to remember from time to time is that many in the church, many people who are inside the church, in other words, they call themselves Christian, they were baptized, they take communion or Eucharist or whatever they call it. They have Bibles on their shelves in their home. They have a church or that they go to at least on Christmas and Easter, if not more often, but they have a church that they, that they go to and they're attached to. But many who are in the church do not believe or obey the Word of God. This has always been the case and always will be the case until Jesus returns. Many inside the bounds of the church do not believe or obey the Word of God. They flout the Word of God in many different ways. And what we're seeing here, we say this is a terrible time that nothing like this is happening now. No, it's happening. And I'm not talking about this denomination does this, but the PCA doesn't. No. In every denomination, in every, uh, in every denomination, there are people and there are churches and there are groups and there are families and individuals who simply ignore the Word of God. They don't believe what the Word of God says. Uh, they, they reject things that the Word of God teaches, and they disobey the Word of God. 
And they have let themselves be so pulled away as Ahab was pulled away by, by his wife Jezebel uh, to this Baal worship. Um, uh, not to mention it already been part of their history that they were worshiping these golden calves, but now Baal worship and Asherah worship is added as well. They let themselves be pulled away from the Word of God. So that's just my first point. And that's something I want us to, from time to time, we need to check this reality. We need to check our own pulse and say, Eastridge Prez, who are we? Who are we as individuals? Who are we as families? Who are we as a church? Who is the leadership of this church? Are we people who the Word of God is our only connection with God? The Word, is the, God is, the Word of God is the Word that tells us about Jesus Christ and how we are saved, the message of salvation, and then tells us what God would have us to believe and do. Are we people who that is everything to us? That is all, that is what we sit under day after day, year after year. We want to know the Word of God. We want to believe it and obey it. Or are we, are we shifting off of that and moving away from that? Are we the church in disobedience? Are we Christians in disobedience? Let's read on. 17.1. Now, Elijah the Tishbite, Elijah the Tishbite, from Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, this is a prophet of God, he says to King Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. And as a prophet, he's going to be giving the word of the Lord, um, but it will come through, uh, through Elijah, the word. Then the word, and I want you to see in this passage, my emphasis is going to be on the word of the Lord because how, how often the emphasis in this passage is on the word of God, the word of the Lord. This is the emphasis. Listen. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. Even the ravens, by the way, obey the word of the Lord when the ten tribes do not obey the word of the Lord. But then listen to what, how Elijah responds. He receives the word of the Lord, and listen to how he responds. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine. Just basically quoting the, sentence, the, 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 the commands he got before. East of the Jordan. And he stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the, book, the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land, just as Elijah had said. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came, he, he obeys the word of the Lord. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and he asked, Would you bring me a little water and a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called. And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As sure, and this is her response. As surely as the Lord your God, Yahweh, your God lives. Every time the Lord, Lord in the Old Testament is in capitals like that, it means the word behind it is Yahweh. Uh, as surely as Yahweh, your God lives, she replied. Your God, because she is a foreigner, she's a pagan. She replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of of a, a flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home 
and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. It's the only food we have left. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for, for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, Yahweh, the God of Israel says, the jar of, here's the word of the Lord again, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. This is why she has no food, is because of the famine has resulted in drought and there's no food either. She went away, I'm sorry, the drought has resulted in famine. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Two things I want to pull out of this really quickly. Number two, uh, the first one is this. The church lives in drought and famine without the Word of God. We're now seeing a, a real drought and famine take place um, this is actually outside the people of God, but it's happening in Israel as well. This is outside their land. But we're say, it, 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 he was earlier inside, and then he went outside. Um, but the church lives in drought and famine without the Word of God. The church uh, deteriorates and suffers and is, is not fed and is weak and dying um, when we are not obeying the Word of God, when we are without the Word of God. The Word of God in this, in these, this chapters we're going to be reading is coming from Elijah the prophet to the people. He is the one who brings the word of God to the people. We have the scriptures that bring the word of God to us. So for us, as the church in this present time in which we live, it is the Bible that we look to. They were looking to Elijah the prophet for the word of the Lord, the word of, of Yahweh. But the other thing I want you to see is Elijah for here. You know what Elijah is for us? Elijah is a picture of the church obedient to the word of God obedient to the Word of God. Just one man, and the, but we're going to see a few chapters later, we're not even going to get to it ourselves today, but a few chapters later, Elijah is so discouraged by the fact that, he, that he's one of the only ones left that he says, I'm it. I'm all, all that's left. I'm, all, I'm the only one who cares about you anymore. I'm the only one who listens to your Word anymore. I'm the only one who worships you. And God says, there's 7,000. There's still 7,000, Elijah. Now, that's not much, but the church there's still 7,000. The church is still in existence at this point. And so my point here is that God preserves some in the church. He always preserves his church. He preserves a portion of his church. He preserves part of his church. It might be the majority. It might be just a minority. Whatever it is, God preserves some in the church who believe and obey the Word of God. So you can be looking over at the ones who are not obeying and say the church is a disaster, but there's always in God's church there is always in his church those that he preserves who are continuing the line, who are continuing to believe God's word and obey God's word and passing it on to the next generation. And sometimes it may shrink and dwindle with drought and famine in one area, but in another area it's expanding and growing. But nevertheless, the church goes on. There's never been a year on the calendar when there hasn't been a church of Jesus Christ since Christ came. There has always been a church of Jesus Christ, and it always, there have always been those who have been hearing God's Word, believing God's Word, and obeying 
God's word, hearing the gospel, hearing the promises, hearing the truth, believing in the salvation, and responding to God's word with obedience and faith. So God preserves. So Elijah stands for us here, the church obedient, the church obedient. There are 7,000 unmentioned yet. In a minute, we're going to find out there's 100 prophets. In a minute, we're going to hear about a man named Obadiah who is still faithful. It's not very many, but there still is a faithful church. Um, By the way, Elijah's name means Jah is God, and Jah is short for what? Yahweh, Yahweh. His name itself means Jah is God. That's his message, to, to look to Yahweh, to Yahweh's God, and I have a word from, from God. Um, and so th- what I want to put before you this morning, and what I, the reason I'm preaching this and the reason I want you, as I was meditating on this passage is, East Ridge Pres, we're, st- we're about to start a new year in just a few weeks. Who are we going to be? Who are we? Are we going to be a church that doesn't get pushed off the mark, that doesn't turn our backs on the Word of God? Are we going to be a people who listen to the Word of God day in, day out, and we're going to believe whatever the Word tells us, and we're going to obey whatever the Word tells us, and we're going to take that debt. Of course, we're going to sin, and we're going to repent, and we're going to confess it, but are we going to take the Word seriously, or are we just going to use it as, as just, just some pep talks to make us feel better about whatever we want to do with our lives? Are we going to use the Bible as just some sort of... Uh, a lucky rabbit's foot that we carry through life to, so we can do whatever we want to do and we have the lucky rabbit's foot with us. No, are we going to sit under the Word of God? Are we going to hear the Word of God? Are we going to believe what God tells us? Are we going to believe the message about Jesus Christ and the gospel of salvation and believe what Christ has done for us and that salvation is by grace, not by anything that we can accomplish and by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? And are we going to Take seriously what God's Word says and wrestle with it and believe it and understand it. Are we going to be the church obedient or the church disobedient? Are we going to be Ahab and the ten tribes or are we going to be Elijah and Obadiah? Elijah and Obadiah and the 7,000. Who are we going to be? Which one are we going to be? Let's, Let's read on. Let's read on. Verse 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman... Oh, and by the way, I didn't mention this, but this place that he goes, this place that he goes to see this woman, he goes um, into a, the place where Jezebel's from. He go, this, is, this is like Jezebel's hometown. He goes, he goes over to stay with this widow. This is where Jezebel and all her corruption and, and all the Baal worship, this, this is like the heartland of Baal. And, Eli, and God sends him, God sends Elijah into the heartland of Baal and, uh, to, to, to connect with this widow. And uh, what did Jesus say about this? Path? Oh, let me read it first, and then I'll, then I'll read Jesus' comments. Let me read it. Um, sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house, this woman we've been talking about, she became ill, the son of the woman. He grew worse and worse, and finally he stopped breathing. And she said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? In other words, I'm a sinner I am not a worshiper of your God. I, I, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that that's who I am. Um, and uh, have you, as a man of Yahweh, as a man of God, have you brought the punishment, the wages of sin to me? Have you brought death into my house and I'm being punished for my, for my sins? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms. He carried him to the upper room where he was staying and he laid him on his bed. And then he cried out to the Lord, to Yahweh, O Yahweh, my God, 
Have you brought tragedy also upon this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? And then he stretched himself out on the boy three times, and he cried to Yahweh, O Yahweh, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And Yahweh heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child, and he carried him down from the room into the house, and he gave him to his mother, and he said, Look, your son is alive. And now don't miss this. And then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know, pagan woman, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of Yahweh from your mouth is truth. The word of of Yahweh from your mouth is truth. This woman has been brought to faith in Yahweh, been brought to the, the prophet brings the word of God, and she believes the word of God because of what she sees. Um, uh, God forgives pagans so that they can live by his word. God forgives pagans of their sin, people who are outside the church, not raised in the church, didn't grow up in the church. They live apart from the church. But God is all the time breaking out into the pagan world, into the world outside the church, and he is confronting people with their sins and bringing them grace and forgiveness and salvation from their sins. And then they turn and begin to believe the word, and they turn and begin to Uh, follow the word and obey the word that they are hearing from God uh, because they've been forgiven of their sins, because they've been saved. They were just pagans yesterday, and now they're more obedient and more passionate about God's word than people all around them sitting in the pews who were raised in the church because they have been pulled out of the darkness. This person's been in the church their whole life. They're not, they don't even care about it anymore. The Word of God is not interesting to them. But this one who has been forgiven the wages of sin Uh, death has been taken away from uh, from her and her family and she has faith in the in the word of Yahweh she now responds in faith and cares about the and this is happening all the time all the time the church is sick and yet over here the church is breaking into new to pagans lives and pagans are converting again and again and again and yet go back into the heartland of the church and there's so much deadness and so much uninterest in God's Word or not caring at all about God's Word. But there on the frontiers where it's breaking in. And Jesus loved this story so much that he talks about it in his own teaching. Jesus said, I assure you, speaking to a bunch of Jews, and he, and he sort of irritated them with this statement, what he said. Listen to what he said. He said, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. There were lots of widows that Elijah could have gone and seen in the disobedient church of Israel. When the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but he was sent to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon, the home of Jezebel, the heartland of Baal worship. He was sent to pagans. Many former pagans are being brought in. God forgives pagans so they can live by his word. God saves this woman from her sin so she knows the word of the Lord. Let's read on. Chapter 18, verse 1. After a long time, in the third year, so this is um, probably the third year of his staying with the widow because, uh, like Jesus just said, it's, it's three and a half years that this, that this, fa- this uh, drought goes on. Um, so probably this is the third year of him staying with this widow. After a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. 
the king of the northern tribes. Now, the famine was severe in Samaria. This famine, the, the result of the drought, no, no rain, no dew. Eventually, the, end, the, the result was that there was no food, uh, a terrible famine. Um, and Ahab, was summoned, Ahab had summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of his palace. And Obadiah was a devout believer in Yahweh. So here we have another devout believer. Here's another part of the church obedient to God. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord and Yahweh. While Jezebel was killing off Yahweh's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets of Yahweh and uh, hidden them in two caves, 50 in each cave. And he had supplied them with food and with water. And Ahab had said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs and valleys. Try to find us some water. Try to find us some food. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and mules alive so we will not have to kill any of our animals. So they divided the land and they were to cover and Ahab going in one direction and Obadiah going off in another direction. And Obadiah was walking along and Elijah the prophet met him. And Obadiah recognized him. And look at this man, this man who's part of the obedient church and what he thinks of the one who brings the word of the Lord. See how he responds to him. Obadiah recognized him and he bowed down to the ground and he said, is it really you, my Lord, Elijah? Not meaning my God, but meaning my master, my my teacher. Yes, he replied, go tell your master, Elijah's here. What have I done wrong, asked Obadiah, that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death. As surely as the Lord your God lives, there is not a nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. People are looking for you everywhere because Ahab is so mad at you because you brought the word of the Lord and you brought this word of the Lord that said there was going to be this drought and that he's been looking for you everywhere, sending people to find you. And whenever a nation or a kingdom claimed that you were not there, Elijah, He made them swear they could not find you. But now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah's here. I don't know where the spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. And if I go and tell Ahab and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. Yet I, your servant, have worshiped the Lord, Yahweh, since my youth. Haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, 50 in each, and supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah's here. He will kill me. He thinks Elijah's not going to be there when he gets back, and Ahab will kill him. And Elijah said, as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, And Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when Ahab, the king, saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? You're the one who's the source of all our problems, Elijah. You are the the thorn in our side, the, the, the source of all of our grief. And Elijah replies, I have not made trouble for Israel, but you and your father's family have. How have they made trouble for Israel, for the church? You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. 
So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. And Elijah went before the people and said, how long? Okay, now, now, and this is an important point. Listen to this for a second. Verse 21. Hear hear what's said right here. Elijah went before the people. He's got them all gathered together. And the people are standing before him, the church. The church is there before him. And he says to them, How long will you waver between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, follow him. Obey him. Listen to his word. Believe his word. Do what he says. If Baal is God, follow him, but stop holding on to all of this. You can't have it all. Which one are you going to obey? Which one are you going to follow? But the people, the church, said nothing. They didn't didn't want it. They didn't want, they had no interest in this. They don't want the word of the Lord. They don't want Yahweh. They don't want to take this up and change their ways and hear the word of the Lord. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. Perhaps the 100 have already, have already died at this point. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood. This is a sacrifice, right? You sacrifice to Baal, I'll sacrifice to Yahweh. Let them cut it into pieces, put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull, and I'll put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. And then you call on the name of your God, Baal, and I will call on the name of Yahweh. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And then all the people said, what you say is good. And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there are so many of you, call on the name of your God. But do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them, and they prepared it for sacrifice. And then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. O Baal, answer us, they shouted. Give us your word. And by the way, Baal is the god of rain. (laughs) He's the god uh, uh, who's supposed to supply rain. And so when Yahweh said no more rain, he was saying, your Baal is useless the God of rain, your God of rain, who, who, who's supposed to supply rain for you yearly, he can't do anything for you. So I, Yahweh, say Baal is trumped. I'm taking, Baal, I'm taking rain away from you. There will be no rain at all to show you how useless Baal is. Um, o Baal, answer us, they shouted. Give us your word, Baal. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. And at noon, so this has been going on for a while, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he is deep in thought. Perhaps he's busy, which was in Hebrew meant going to the bathroom. Perhaps he's busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and he must be awakened. And so they shouted louder, and they slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. And midday passed, and they continued on, their frantic prophesying, sort of ecstatic babbling, ecstatic prophesying, until the time for the evening sacrifice. So all the way into the evening. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. 
the God that they're calling out for, the one that they're looking for, hope, for help from, there is no one answering. There's no, there's no response. There's no one paying any attention at all to anything that they're saying or calling out for. And then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. He's already done this once. He said, choose, who you're, you know, choose between the two, and they, they didn't answer. So he calls them back again. And they came to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. The altar of Yahweh is there, but it hasn't been used, so it's wrecked. So he has to build it back up again and put it, put it back together. And Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, which basically means when he took 12 stones, he was saying, these are the people of God. This is the church. All 12 tribes, not just you 10 and the, or the two in the south, but all 12 of you are the church. All 12 of you are the people of God. You all should be listening to God's word. You all owe worship and allegiance to God. You all should be believing all that God says and doing what God commands you. All 12 tribes, all 12 belong to God. All 12 are the church. All 12 should be, should be obedient and respond to, respond to God. And so he builds this altar up. Um, uh, if you lost where we are, we're in verse 31. One for each of the tribes to whom the word of the Lord had come. Notice once again the emphasis on the word of the Lord, the word of Yahweh. Who are the 12 tribes? They're the ones to whom the word of Yahweh has come. Has come. They have God's word. They have God's covenant. to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. They're referred to as Israel, the children of Israel, the children of Jacob. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seahs of seed. And he arranged the wood, and he cut the bowl and into pieces, and he laid it on the wood. And then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it the third time. And the water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench, completely saturated by water, completely soaked. It, you, you couldn't light it with, a, with ordinary human fire at this point. Completely soaked and saturated. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and he prayed, Yah, O Yahweh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command, at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me so these people, your church, will know that you, Yahweh, are God and that, listen to this, and that you are turning their hearts back Again, they're so rebellious, they're so disobedient, but, but by this act, Lord, turn their hearts back again to you. Show them who you are and turn them back to you again. And then the fire of the Lord fell, and it burned up the sacrifice. It burned up the wood, it burned up the stones, and it burned up the soil, and it licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and they cried, Yahweh, He is God. Yahweh, He is 
God. God turns the church back to himself by this sacrifice. And this is a picture to us that God in every age again and again turns the church, turns uh, as we wander, as we are rebellious, as we wander away in our lives and, and do our own thing and become disobedient to God, that he turns us back. He turns our hearts back again and again by the sacrifice by the sacrifice of Jesus. In this case, the bull was on the altar, but, Jesus, but the Lord provided the fire. But of course, in the ultimate sacrifice, we know that the victim itself, the, Jesus gives himself as a sacrifice to, to bring back, um, to bring pagans into the church and to bring back his church as well, to bring back wandering people who are rebellious. God turns the church back to him. Notice that the message of this passage, which is so which is so dark in many ways and so demanding in many ways, it's also a message of grace. God turns their hearts back. Did, these people are rebellious. When they, they got the, the prophet stood before them and said, do you want him? And they said, nothing. They said, nothing. They weren't even willing to say, yeah, we want him. They weren't even willing to pretend that they wanted him. And God acted by this sacrifice to bring them back to himself, to pull their hearts back to him. For how long it will last, we shall see, but pull their hearts back to him again. And God turns the church back to himself by sacrifice, by the sacrifice of Jesus. Israel's rebellious, but God in his grace turns their heart. They believe that Yahweh is God. They want to hear God's word from Elijah. And God preaches Jesus to us uh, and offers us forgiveness and grace, and this turns us. And I want to give that word to you right now, this very moment. Whoever, if you are rebellious, if you are doing your own thing, if you are living in disobedience to God, you have turned away from God's word. You don't believe it really anymore. You do, you're not obeying it anymore. There is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. There is redemption in Christ and the grace. You don't have anything in you to, to turn. But if you look to Christ, the one that God has sent, the sacrifice that he sent for us, if you receive that grace, if you receive that renewing, that renewal, um, receive that forgiveness uh, for that, he can renew you. He can refresh you. He can bring um, times of refreshing, as Peter says. He can bring renewal to uh, you and, and to the church again and, and to any church that's in rebellion against God. Um, we just must receive his grace and return to his word and return to what he is teaching us and what he's telling us. Um, let's, let's conclude this story right here. Verse eight, I'm just going to finish it out and then, and then pray. Uh, verse 40. And then Elijah commanded them, and this, this, this verse may offend you, but uh, this is how seriously um, God's word is taken, that those who are leading the people astray, leading them into Baal worship, must die. They must all die. Then Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. And they seized them. And Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. Their, 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 their influence, their worship removed from the land in one day, completely annihilated, 450 prophets of Baal. And then Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. So Ahab, it's not really raining yet, but he's saying, you know, in, in his spirit or, or in the sense he's, he's, he's giving the sense of that rain is coming. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel. He bent down to the ground. He put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, the servant said. Seven times Elijah said, 
after he prayed, go back, go back, go look again. Go, go to the sea and look. See if you see anything. And the seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. And so Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. The rains are coming that are going to be so hard, it will be mud everywhere, and the chariot will not be able to move in just a short while. He better get going. Tell Ahab to move. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose up, and then a heavy rain came down, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. And the power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt so it doesn't trip him, (laughs) he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. God will give new life to the church in Jesus Christ. This is our source. Don't, don't respond to a sermon by this by saying, oh, I need, to, I need to read the Bible more and I get more serious about the Bible. Of course you need to do that, but recognize that the new life is in Jesus Christ. The rains, the, the new life that ends the drought and brings, and brings life and power into your life where you can now begin to believe God's word again and, do, and, and, and live out God's word again. It comes from Jesus Christ. It comes from the inner work of the Holy Spirit. It comes because Christ gave himself, his sacrifice for us, and only because of his sacrifice for us can we have this new life. Seek that power from God. The rains, that the, end, the end of a drought. Let there be the end of a drought in your life uh, in, in your family's life. Seek the Lord Jesus to bring life and to bring grace so that you may do what? Believe his word and submit to his word. That's a glorious life. It's a glorious life to be, even if the church is small, even if the church, uh, uh, the obedient church in some seasons and some places is very small, it will continue. It will go on. Be part of the obedient church. Be part of the believing church, the faithful church that hears God's word, saved by Jesus Christ, living under his word. Let's pray.